Trust in the Lord and do what is right. Settle in the land and maintain your integrity. Then you will take delight in the Lord and he will answer your prayers. Commit your future to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act on your behalf. He will vindicate you in broad daylight and publicly defend your just cause. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Ephesians 5, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You may be seated. Welcome home once again. It's good to see you. How are you feeling? So good, right? It has been a week. Uh, goodness, if you didn't know, and by the video, I was, uh, I was in the great state of Mississippi this past week um, celebrating the life of an incredible matriarch of Rebecca's family who lives such a full life of faith. This past Monday, we got a call that her grandmother had died, and so by Wednesday, we had, uh, we had gotten flights, and we had relocated, dropped off my kids. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for watching the kids. I know you're exhausted. Enjoy a couple days of rest. I'll be praying peace over your life. Um, but we went down on Wednesday. Um, I got back last night around 10 o'clock p.m., and um, the whole time I was like, Lord, if you want me to share this message today, make sure my flights make it on time. And, uh, and seriously, I was praying that, and some people have said, well, why don't you just get someone else to do it, or why don't you just have someone else come in and preach or play a video or something? But, but for real, like, even with my tired eyes, I was just so excited to share this morning. This has been on my heart, and after the past week, it's, it's even more relevant as we hit this third week of our series, Altars, about living a life of worship. And if you're kind of new to church, um, altars are, are places designed to receive offering, designed to receive sacrifice. It's a place once limited to bricks and stones of a temple, but now for God's people, they are established as an extension of the heart. And the whole point of this series is to take a closer look at four key areas or altars of the heart from which God wants to receive our praise. Areas of our lives that were made to worship God, but so often become idols, even with the best of intentions. When we create things, when created things begin to surpass our creator in our hearts and minds. And that's why when we started this series, we started talking about work. Work as worship and how God wants to receive our work. This is week one as worship, that whatever we do can and will be used for his glory as long as we do it as his people, as long as we surrender it to him as his representatives and his family laying everything we do down on the altar before him so he might be known, not only in the output, not only in the work, but also through the intention. It's not just what we do, it's how we do it. And this is week one. Work is worship, whatever you do for the glory of God. Now, week two, last week, if you were here, good Lord, thank you for teaching us. This was a tough one because we talked about possessions. We talked about our stuff that, that, that we would begin to see 
from Romans 11, that everything we have comes from him. Everything we have comes from God and exists by God's power and is intended for God's glory. Everything it comes from him and, and in him there is no lack. And our only responsibility with what we have, our only responsibility in worshiping God with our possessions is simply to live with open hands. Open hands to see what we've been given and say, God, it's available. It's available. Use it for your glory. And that was week two. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and listen through the website or on the podcast because today we are moving on. Again, to talk about what I have been so excited about this past week, what's hit me so hard this past week, and, I, and honestly what should have been maybe week one of the series, considering the scope of what it covers, and that is we're going to be talking about worshiping with our time. Our time. To worship God with your time, laying every minute of every hour, every day, every moment, your future, like we just heard in the Psalms, your future down on the altar before God to seek his way above all else. Not my will, but yours be done. And I want to speak to this today because when it comes to worship or the acknowledging and assigning worth or value to another, the intentional surrendering of oneself to lift up or elevate another, this is worship. Our time really is the most powerful altar of praise we have. And that's because everything in us submits to the limitations of time that God has spoke into the world. And time, it comes for all of us. As human beings, we were created to live and ultimately worship within a linear system of moments. Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and years, all structured by God to bring distinction between here and heaven. To bring distinction and value between earth and eternity. Time is the great equalizer. Think about this for a second. Regardless of faith, regardless of background or bank account or education, we are all exist at the mercy of time. We all exist at the mercy of time. You could have all the money in the world, all the influence and authority. You could have achieved the greatest cultural transformation in history or invented something that's used by four billion people every single day. You could have written the hit record or produced the, the award-winning movie, or you could become the next American idol still one day. One hour, one minute, one second will be your last on earth. Just like the addict that overdosed or the factory worker that died of a heart attack. Just like the great-grandmother, Rebecca's grandmother, Kissy, who dies of old age. Or the high schooler in a tragic car accident. For all of humanity, the end will be the same. It plays no favorites in these earthly bodies. We all got a clock that's ticking. Whether it's an hour or a hundred years, we are all confined by time. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, 
I know you just got back from a funeral and I know you're feeling a, a little heavy right now. Do you need a nap? And I'm like, yes, I probably do. Do you need an extra cup of coffee? Absolutely. But listen, please don't hear what I'm saying as fatalist because it's not. All I'm trying to remind you of today is that time is without a doubt your most valuable resource. And though it's not typically something we like to acknowledge, the reality is our resource is limited. Our days are numbered, which puts us in a rather interesting position, right? Because as God's people, we were destined for heaven. That is our future. Heaven is our future. If you're a Christian, you have nothing to fear. Death has no hold on you. Eternity is secure. There is nothing that you can do that would separate you from the love of God. Yes and amen. Hallelujah. Can I get a hallelujah? If you're a Christian, this is your hope. This is your promise for eternity. But friends, this eternity, it still awaits us. It's not here yet. And this is where things get complicated for us because this means as God's people who belong to heaven whose home is in eternity, from here to heaven, as we wait for eternity, we are still living today within a linear system of moments. And, and we're here in this linear system of moments on purpose, which means that we still have a decision to make for how we spend our lives. We still have a decision to make for who and what we choose to worship. Every step along the way, we have a decision to make, and it's really one of two options. Option number one, we can choose to stick our head in the sand and, and ignore the reality of time. We can fail to steward the only resource we can't acquire more of and invest our moments into a life of self, self-achievement, self-preservation, pleasure, focus, ambition, discovery, where we eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we'll, we'll die. That's option number one. We can choose a life of self. Or, like we've been learning in this series, we can consecrate our life. We can consecrate our time, Ephesians chapter 5, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We can choose to lay our moments, to surrender our moments to the will and the way of God laying every second of every minute of every hour of every year we have left down on the altar for God to use for his glory. We can choose a life of self or we can choose a life of worship. We have a choice. While we don't get a choice to not die, even Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, still died again. We don't get a choice to not die, but we do have a choice for how we'll live. You do have a choice for how you will live, for how you will use your time, for what you will do with your days. That's up to you. So be careful, Paul says, Ephesians 5, one more time. Be careful with how you live. You got one life. You have one life. So don't live like fools. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This truly is the way to worship him. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand 
what the Lord wants you to do. Don't live like fools. Don't waste your life. Make the most of every opportunity. Reminds me of a season in my life. Oh man, I love throwing myself under the bus. Here we go. I was uh, early to mid 20s chasing the dream. Chasing the dream, doing everything I could to make it in music. That was the dream, but honestly, the, I, I was doing almost nothing to actually pursue this dream. I was just kind of hanging out, wandering aimless between gigs, living like a fool. Seriously, I, so I was waiting tables for a season, and everyone should wait tables at some point in their life. It makes you a whole lot more understanding and a whole lot more patient. But I was waiting tables, barely making ends meet. I had almost no vision for what was next. I had no idea, verse 17, what the Lord wanted me to do. So I was just kind of hanging, buying time, more like wasting time. I was so committed to my own thing. My moments and days were consecrated to my own dreams. I made my choice for how to live. And I picked option one. For far too long, I chose to ignore the reality of time and fail to steward the only resource I can't get more of. And I invested minutes of my life into self-focused gratification. I did it, I picked option number one. Anyone else pick option number one from time to time? I picked option one and the days disappeared. The years disappeared as I was oblivious to the passing of time. That is until someone's time actually ran out. And there's nothing quite like someone else's time running out to wake you up. It was my brother, he, he passed away and it was like a slap to my face. It was a wake up call and I remember thinking in that moment, man, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be more to life than this, right? I'm made for more than, than buying time. There's gotta there's got be more than just working for the weekend, achieving, being more successful, buying a bunch of stuff and then dying. There's got to be more than that. And listen, I don't know if you've ever been in a season like this. I don't know. Maybe you're there right now chasing one thing after another as the moments pass you by, trying to figure out what to do next. But if there's one thing I really need you to take away from this morning, let it be this. I need you to know that there is more that God has so much more for your life than just waiting around to die. God wants to bring purpose to your days. God wants to receive your time as worship and use it for absolutely ridiculously amazing things. Things that will not only carry you into eternity, but also invite the observing world around you to join in. God wants to use the offering of your life, the offering of your days, your moments, your time from here to heaven to help build something better than you could ever build on your own. God wants to use your life to help build an eternal kingdom that will never end. God wants to use your temporary life to build an eternity that will never end. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we all die, got it. But what we do with our days, what we do with our days, as we surrender all we are to God, what we do with our days will echo into eternity. So don't live like fools. Make the most of every opportunity. 
Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Okay. So how does that play out? How does that play out? Because I know we all know that life is short. You know, you watch the news for about 20 seconds, and it's obvious how fleeting this life can be. Like sand through an hourglass, these are the days of our lives. Okay, I feel you. I feel it. So what is it, what does the Lord really want to do? What, is the, what does the Lord really want us to do to make the most of our time? How can we squeeze every last drop out of this life for the glory of God and the good of others? Well, if you're taking notes as we look to the scriptures, if you really want to live a life of worship with your time, by laying your moments and your days and your entire future down before him, I I really think it comes down to these three quick things, and it all came from our opening scripture. It's trust, it's delight, and it's commitment. We must trust in the Lord. We must delight in his goodness. We must commit to his way. And I just want to encourage, I just, I want you to know how encouraged I am that as soon as that slide came up, everyone looks down and is writing this. If you don't like writing, take a picture with your phone. Remember this, okay? I don't care what you do. Get this burned into your memory. Trust in the Lord. Delight in his goodness. Commit to his way. Let's all say this together. Are you ready? Trust in the Lord. Delight in his goodness. Commit to his way. One more time, just for good measure. Trust in the Lord. Delight in his goodness. Commit to his way. Awesome. Let's start with trust. All throughout the scriptures, we see God telling us to trust him. To trust his plans. To trust his character. To trust his love. Trust him. We see that God is trustworthy and true. Just a couple examples real quick. They're not on the screen. Isaiah 26, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Jeremiah 17, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. Psalm 37, we heard earlier, trust in the Lord and do what's right. Trust in him and he will act on your behalf. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And and Proverbs 29, this is so good. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. We need to trust God. We need to trust in the Lord if we want to live a life of worship with our time. And it makes sense, really, that trust is the beginning because, because that's really all faith is in the first place. It's trusting that God is real that God is good, that he's faithful, that God is who he says he is, and then faith is living in reply to our trust. Faith is trust in action. We need to trust the Lord, and this is really what reveals us as God's people. Trust in the Lord and do what's right. Do what's right. It all starts with trust, which again makes sense because as people, with a, with a clock that's, that's just ticking down, If we're about to lay everything down, the only resource we can't get more of, if we're about to lay everything down, consecrated before God, then we better trust where it's going. We better feel confident to put our future and that it will be well spent and put to good use. 
Reminds me of a moment we see in the Gospels a number of different times where Jesus approaches people and he's just like, hey, follow me. I don't know, just, just follow me. And they're like, um, and they had a decision to make, just like us, right? For how they spend their time, for how they commit their life, for where their future lies. They had a decision to make. And we read these stories and, and, um, and you know, we know the ending because we've got the scripture, but you know, if you really place yourself back there, um, I, I would imagine this is a bit of a challenge for them, just like it is for us. You know, it's the middle of the workday. Some guy you kind of know about walks up and says, all right, here we go. I'm going to make your life count. And they're like, oh, um, that's, that's great. You know, your new life awaits, but we got to go, Jesus says. And you're thinking, um, can I finish up my shift real quick? And Jesus is like, nah, no, no, you got to go. And can I say goodbye to my folks? Can I stick around to say goodbye to my folks? Nope, you know, can I, take a, can I take a day to think about it? And Jesus is like, absolutely not. Now's your chance, but we gotta go, time's ticking. They had a choice to make, and so do we. One of my favorite moments uh, of this, uh, one of my favorite of these moments was in Matthew chapter four. Jesus, he's out walking around. He's fresh off his baptism, fresh off his temptation in the wilderness, and he's going around preaching about the coming kingdom of God, and, he's, uh, and, he, and he stumbles, not stumbles, he comes across these brothers, and they're throwing their nets out from their boat. And this is the passage, it's Matthew 4, 19. It says, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called to them too. He said, uh, uh, and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Incredible story. We all know this story. Come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Incredible faith and trust. But what's important to recognize is before Jesus came calling these brothers, these, these folks already had a future in place. They already had a business. They were fishermen. They had work to do. They had their own boat. They had their nets. It was a family business that would lead them and it would spend their days, their time till the day they die. It was a stable option for them. It was safe. But in comes Jesus, and he's like, y'all, you've been fishing for the wrong catch. Let me show you the best life can be. All you got to do is trust me. All you got to do is trust me with your future. Follow me. All you got to do is lay your life down before me. And, and, and what did they do? In faith, they dropped their nets and followed, surrendering their moments and days to worship in God. And, and, and what happened as a result? This is key. Because had they chosen differently, life might have been okay. You know, they could have gone on to build an incredible career in commercial fishing. You just have no idea. They could have, you know, ended up buying a big old house on the water with sweet chariots and horses, traveled throughout the Mediterranean, had season tickets to see the gladiators and the Colosseum. You just no idea, right? But instead, they sacrificed everything. And they eventually died for their faith because of their trust in Jesus. It seems kind of like a bad deal. But in the process, what happened? God used their faith, God used their story to literally change the world. Manny said this morning, we were talking before the service, Pastor Manny said, um, how, many, uh, how many people do you know named Nero or Caesar or Augustus how many Johns do you know? 
How many Peters do you know? How many Matthews do you know? God used their faith to change the course of human history. And their story will continue to echo into eternity. And it's because they trust. And listen, I know we're not fishermen in the first century, but in the same way, the willingness displayed, their willingness displayed is what's necessary for us to worship God with our time. We need to trust that if we follow Jesus, our life will matter. We need to trust that if we follow and give God our days, our moments, and our time, he will be faithful to take our lives and invest them for his eternal glory. It has to start with trust. It has to start with trust. But how does that work? Because trust can be hard. How can we go, how can we grow to trust God with our days and even more with our future? This is number two from our opening scripture. We need to delight in his goodness. We need to delight in his goodness and who God is and who he promises to be. You know, Rebecca and I have been married for just over 10 years. She's watching from the deep south right now, just so you know. Everyone want to say hi to Rebecca? Hi, hi Rebecca. She'll, she'll hear that in about 30 seconds. There's a delay between what happens and what happens, okay? <laughs> Rebecca, I love you. Um, we've been married just over 10 years, and I sure do love her, and I trust her with everything, my whole heart. But when we first started talking, and then dating, there were times that I felt pretty insecure. Has anyone ever had a hard time trusting someone? Yeah, I just didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't know if she felt the same way I felt about her, and so I, you know, they had these walls, and you know, trying to figure things out, and so there were moments where I just didn't know what would happen if she would be my future. I had no idea. I thought I knew, but I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't know she'd be my future, or if the relationship would be worth my time. I only got so much. But I tell you what, the more time I invested, the more delight I find in her. The more time I invest, the more I am delighted by her goodness, the more I begin to trust her love. Are you tracking? The more you exist with God. I know this is a risk, but the more you know and experience his goodness, the more you build memories and discover his faithfulness. Friends, it's there that we're able to trust him to trust that he is enough to give him our time. One thing feeds the next. Trust comes from time, which builds trust, which gives and requires more time. So what does that look like for you, building trust with God by delighting in his goodness? I know for me, my trust, it can grow in good times for sure. You know, like when I take delight um, and he answers my prayers. Like that really forms in those epic mountaintop moments of faith, the ones that, could, that they can make movies about, that they do make movies about. What? And this is really unfortunate for me. My faith grows the most by trusting God enough to surrender my time in the valleys. And now you've probably heard this illustration before, but what, what grows on mountains? Very little. It's all rocks and those weird like brushes that blow in the wind, you know what I mean? Very little grows in the mountaintop. But as you begin to make your way down the mountain into the valley, what do you find? Everything, massive growth. Massive growth. It's in the wilderness. It's in the trials. 
It's in the challenges and valleys that my trust grows and my worship flows because it's there that God meets me at the end of my rope. And it's there that God makes a way when there truly was no way. And I see with my own eyes that he, he really is as trustworthy as he says. And you know what? It typically happens for me with like an extended amount of time. I'm so busy. I'm so focused. I get wrapped up, but then something happens. And it's there that I'm just slowed down. This past week, we made our way down to Mississippi, and I was forced to slow down. I was trying to write this sermon, and I was like, man, I'm writing a sermon about using time well, and I'm sitting around my family that I haven't seen in two years on a computer, wasting my time writing a message for y'all. I'm just kidding. But it seriously is a challenge. It's in those hard times that we're forced to slow down. It's in those valleys that we struggle through. It's there that the time extends. And there's got to be time invested in the waiting. Time praying. Prayer takes time. Reading through the scriptures. For me, music really matters too, especially in seasons of wandering and wondering. God always moves and speaks and grows my trust through music. So what about you? Where does your faith grow? Where does your trust formed as you delight in his goodness? What are those areas that you're most aware of God's presence in your life? Because wherever that is and whatever that is, you got to get there. You got to get there. You don't need to be forced there. You got to get there because it's there that we find the courage and the integrity, as the scripture says, to commit. And this is the last piece for today. It's there that we commit to his way. It's in the trust, it's in the delight that we're able to commit to his way, to commit to living a life of worship with our time and to find what's necessary to understand what God wants us to do. I just want to read Psalm 37 one more time with Proverbs 3. Let this sink in. Trust in the Lord and do what is right. Settle in the land and maintain your integrity. Then you will take delight, there it is, in the Lord, and he will answer your prayers. Verse 5, commit your future to the Lord. Commit your future to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act on your behalf. He will vindicate you in broad daylight and publicly defend your cause. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights, there it is, in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. As we trust, as we delight in his goodness, and then we trust some more, and then we delight some more, and then we trust some more. To make the most of our life, we still have to do what's right. We still have to do what's right. The Lord makes firm the steps of those who love him. Seek him in all you do. He'll show you which way to go, but we still need to take the step. He'll show you which way to go, but you still got to take the step. We still need to commit our future to the Lord, and this really is what it means to worship God with our time. God wants to lead you. God wants to show you which way to go. God wants to bring you to your greatest possible end, the end that is coming for everyone. 
for those who seek him and for those who follow their own way. For option one and option two, the end is coming. But the only way your days will matter beyond the grave is if you commit your future to the Lord. Because it's within his power. This is so wild. Think about this. It's within his power as creator and sustainer of all things that kingdoms, that kingdoms might fall to obscurity, but the lives of a couple fishermen will live on in infamy. It's within his power that fame fades, that influence wanes, that castles crumble, riches are plundered, and rulers are replaced. But those who commit to the way of the Lord will remain forever. Those who lay their time, their seconds, their, their minutes, their hours, their weeks, their, their, their years, their decades, for those that lay their futures on the altar, it's to them, independent of class or culture, that eternity will be shown. So let us, friends, let us be a church that worships God with our time. It's got to go somewhere. And, and God knows we've wasted enough. Let us be a church that worships God with our time. We can't get it back, so let's commit all our minutes to the will of God. And let us be a church that trusts God with our moments. It can be hard, I get that. It can be hard to know what to do and know where to go, how to invest our lives, and oftentimes it leaves us waiting around for life to just happen, but, but let us instead actively seek and delight in his goodness laying all we are, all we have, all our moments, all our, all our futures down for God to pick up for his glory, saying, here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am. Send me. Here I am, God, form me. God, here I am, change me. Make the most of my life. Make the most of my life. This is truly the way to worship him. Take my moments and my days and let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. We're going to close in just a second. Manny and the team are going to come up and lead us in the closing song. If you didn't know, Manny, he got recruited to lead worship this morning because Rebecca's down in, in Mississippi. Thank you. Can we thank them for leading us this morning? Um, but as we close, they're going to they're close in a, in, a, um, in a song that I had asked them to do. But we're also going to be closing today with a time of communion, a time to come forward, to take that step, to not wait for life to happen to you, but to come forward to receive the goodness of God again, to experience his grace and mercy again, to come forward and remember the death of Christ that bought us eternal life. So we're going to be taking communion as we close, and, and as we practice, as a church, we, we practice open communion here, uh, which means that if you're a follower of Jesus, come on down. Um, but if you're still on the fence with faith, um, or, or you've got something heavy that you're carrying and you need to make things right with God or someone else, I just encourage you to stay in your seat. But as the band leads us in this closing song, as we reflect on the brevity of life and the time we have, the time we have, I implore you to commit your future to the Lord. 
I implore you to commit to consecrate every minute and moment before the Lord in worship. The Lord that has the full weight of the power. I, I, I implore you, this is what's so, so cool, and sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a little brain foggy. Got to put up with me. I implore you to commit every minute and moment before the Lord in worship because these moments now have the full weight and power of God behind it. And God wants to pick up your minutes. God wants to pick up your days. He wants to pick up your moments and he wants to save the world with them. God wants to take your availability, your trust, your commitment and your time to help draw the world back to himself. So friends, carpe diem, seize this day. Let's not waste another moment. Let us be a, uh, let us be a people that worship God with our time. Now practically um, for communion, I just encourage you to come down the sides. They'll serve you today and then you can make your way back to your seat. If you feel uncomfortable coming down, we've got little communion stations scattered throughout the room with the little pods, the cardboard bread, you know what I mean? But I just want to pray for you. I, I want to pray courage over your life um, that this, that today would be the day, that today would be the day that you would lay your time down before God, your future down before God and say, pick it up and use it for your glory. So let's pray and then we can come down to receive. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come in us, your will be done around us on earth in La Crescenta, in this church as it is in heaven. God, we ask that you would sustain us and give us all we need as we lay everything down before you. God, forgive us as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, God, and lead us not into temptation of wasting our life with option one, but God, that we would choose option two and that we would consecrate all we are, all our moments, all our days, all our time before you and that you would make much of our lives. So Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful for the sacrifice that you provided on the cross so we might, so, the, 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 so when our clock runs out, God, we're just beginning. We're so grateful, God, that even though this side of heaven, we will all run out of time. God, we know that, again, this is just the prelude to eternity. So God, help us use our days well. And so it's in your name that we pray, in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Amen. You can come forward and receive.